Welcome to Down with the Dig. I'm Shella. And I'm Matt. This is a podcast presented by the Ohio Laborers Union to keep you connected to your labor family. This is Down with the Dig. Today we're going to be talking about the nation's inland waterways and how important they are to commerce in the United States and how the laborers can play an active role in helping maintain and improve those waterways. Today we're speaking with Deb Calhoun, Senior Vice President of Waterways Council Incorporated, and she's going to give us all the updates on everything waterways. But before we get to that, we're going to start a new segment called Members and Milestones, where we talk a little bit about our members because that's who this podcast is intended for. So when I ask you how many years of service is a long term of service for labor. What do you think? I usually think maybe 10, 20 years. We have one gentleman who recently retired from the laborers that had 46 years of service. Wow. His name is James Ham, and he is out of local 639 Marietta. Uh, he most recently worked for Shelly and Sands. And like I said, 46 years of service to the laborers. That's awesome. We also have a few birthdays we'd like to celebrate. Mr. Joseph Chrome. Recently turned 98 years young. He is out of our Columbus local, Local 423. And also Paul Ide. He also turned 98 this month, and he's out of the Toledo local, 500. Also, if you'd like to nominate someone for special celebration on this program, please drop us a line at talk at downwiththedig.com. So, Matt, when are you going to nominate me for best co-host? <laughs> I'll consider it when we get to our thousandth podcast. <laughs> So when I ask you what a laborer does, what types of projects do you first think about? Usually highway, building, factory work, concrete, those types of things. I agree. I'm the same way. But today we're going to talk about waterways. It's something that I don't really think about laborers being part of. I don't either. I know I'm from Portsmouth, which is along the Ohio River. And the things I think about is boating, water skiing, fishing. I don't think construction. And I'm from Northwest Ohio originally, and we really don't have any big waterways up there to even move any kind of goods or anything like that. Matt, I think everyone's going to be surprised when we find out how vital our waterway system is, not only to transportation and that type of thing, but also to the laborers. The biggest advocate for our inland waterway system is the Waterways Council Incorporated. Today, we're proud to be joined by Deborah Calhoun, who is the Senior Vice President of Waterways Council Incorporated. Deb, thanks for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Deb, tell us a little bit about your background with the Waterways Council Incorporated and your role there. Well, I have been in the inland waterways transportation industry industry for now over 20 years. I can't believe that. Um, this is radio, so you can't see how very young I look, but that's a joke. But um, uh, yeah, it's been a long, a long and storied career, but always a fun one. For those of us that don't know, share with us the history of Waterways Council Incorporated. Yes, we were founded in 2003. Really, we were based upon a campaign called Waterways Work, and it was really funded and formed to, to help better communicate the value of the inland waterways transportation system to the nation and also to give the Corps of Engineers some support for the important work that they were doing on that system. Uh, we worked with um, the news media to tell that important story of, of the value of the inland waterways and also for the Corps' work. Uh, and also there were some issues that needed to be fixed within Congress. But we did start as a campaign and then grew to a national, a national effort. So what is Waterways involved with now? Yes, we are the national public policy organization. We advocate for a modern and reliable, efficient system of ports and inland waterways. Uh, we have a really diverse membership. We've got waterways carriers, shippers, 
uh, port authorities, um, those who are growing uh, agriculture products and moving agriculture products. We have uh, organized labor and conservation organizations, uh, shipping associations, and, and really waterways advocacy groups from all over the country. Uh, what we say is that anyone who is focused on an inland transportation system that is modern, efficient, and reliable has interest in, in our mission and what we're doing. That's certainly a broad coalition of groups that are focused on really maintaining and improving what is really a highway system to move goods about this country. Yes, and there's always the environmental concerns, because when you're talking about the waterways, there's so much, I guess you would call marine life that is there in those rivers and those waterways that, you know, you can't mess around with that. You have to be careful with that. And it certainly plays a big part in just the entertainment value for people that use it to go boating and skiing and fishing and those kinds of things too. So Deb, how is Waterways Council involved in advocacy? We say that our approach to advocacy is kind of like a three-legged stool. Um, The first leg is lobbying, direct lobbying of members of Congress to um, ensure that the Army Corps of Engineers get gets the the highest and uh, full and efficient funding appropriations for the work that they're doing on the inland waterway system. Uh, The second leg is really from our membership perspective. Um, It's our stakeholder challenge. We work with uh, all of our members to be able to carry that message to Congress and to their state representatives as well uh, to talk about the the importance of the inland waterways system and um, as support to to our shippers around the country. And then lastly, the third leg of that stool is really media and communications, which, you know, sort of like what I'm doing today with the podcast, talking about the importance importance of that system to the nation and all its many benefits and beneficiaries and um, and hoping that, um, you know, that that gets picked up and, and carried uh, far and wide. Deb, how critical are our waterways to our country? The inland waterways are a, a key transportation mode. You know, we, we think about uh, truck and rail, and we see those two modes perhaps more often. We're, we're sort of out of sight, out of mind, perhaps unless you're in the, the center of the country and you can see those barges full of whatever products as you're, as you're driving over a bridge or you're driving along a, a waterway. Uh, but really, it is the most cost-competitive way for um for our nations, we call them building block commodities uh, to move. And they're done in the the most safe way, the most environmentally sound way, the lowest carbon footprint, and uh, they relieve traffic congestion on our already crowded highways. So it's critically important to to exports and for moving those products um, domestically for use domestically. We are talking about, of course, uh, fertilizer moving upriver for plantings for all of the grain and corn and beans that are moving downriver, again, for export. We're talking about um, construction materials, inputs to manufacturing, uh, energy, petroleum, coal, um, and, and other materials. So um, again, it's, it's really the best way and most com- cost-competitive way uh, for our shippers to, um, to make that economic impact for our nation. The waterways are certainly a forgotten part of our infrastructure. We've all spent lots of time on the roadway trying to get where we need to get to our kids' soccer game or to a back-to-school meeting or whatever it may be. So, uh, again, it relieves traffic congestion. Just one of those barges is about the size of a football field. Uh, A regular 15-barge tow has the same capacity as as about 1,050 trucks on our nation's roadways. So just think about that for a minute. 
Um, if you took that away, we would have virtual gridlock and you would not be able to move the amount of cargo that we have on the waterways by, by these other modes, just is not capacity to do so. And again, it's done in the safest way. And I think we all care about the sustainability of our environment and our air quality and our quality of life. And so moving things, um, you know, away from city centers uh, on the waterways is, um, is, is good for our environment. And that's really important to communities and to everyone. A lot of the first towns in Ohio were founded on the banks of the major rivers because that's how the goods were able to get to them. And that really hasn't changed today. We see the banks of rivers as ideal locations for new factories, new industries. And in fact, we see a new ethylene cracker plant being constructed. So waterways are still critical to big manufacturing projects. Well, again, uh, that's part of our building block commodities that are being moved, uh, you know, 365 days of the year for the for the most part, unless there's high water or low water or um, or icing. Um, in terms of the cracker plants, you know, it's it's really the notion of build it and they will come. Um, you know, if you um, build modern, if you if you construct modern inland waterways, locks and dams, and infrastructure then those projects will come uh, to be aligned and to be built nearby the waterways for a couple of reasons. Um, as, as you know, outside of Pittsburgh, Shell's constructing a massive ethylene cracker plant to make uh, plastic pellets that are used in a variety of, of um, uses in, in, in the manufacturing process and in the shipping process. And so currently they have 6,000 workers uh, building that site all of the materials and modules for that site had to come by water. There was no other way to get them to that facility than by water. And they located it because um, the waterways are a transportation option for, for that, but they can also draw from the river for industrial water supply. And that's one of those beneficiaries of the inland waterways. Um, other companies are seeking, you know, uh, similar petrochemical plants um, near the waterways. And so, uh, you know, we do say that um, they make those decisions based on a number of factors, but waterways as a transportation option is key to those decisions. And moving those petroleum products or those those pellets or whatever it may be can all be done by barge. And so that's, that's really critical. When I think about the Ohio Valley and Southern States region, we certainly have the largest inland waterway system contained within the, those borders. If you've ever taken a road trip from Ohio to Florida, I mean, how many of those waterways are you going over? How many bridges, how many locks and dams, things like that you pass? And certainly within the region is the Mississippi River, which is really the superhighway connected to a bunch of other rivers and provides a valuable resource for shipment of goods up and down all day, every day. And it also means a lot of man hours for us. Absolutely, it does, and that's important. Deb, tell me what waterways projects you're involved in in our region right now. Well, we have a number of priority projects on the system. Um, there are about 25 projects that uh, have been accepted by Congress. Um, the uh, top priority is the Olmstead project that was opened about two years ago on the Ohio River uh, between Illinois and Kentucky. That's a state-of-the-art project that actually replaced two very aged locks, uh, locks 52 and 53, that were built in the uh, late 40s, early 50s, I believe. Um, they're the second uh, most important project is in the Pittsburgh area. They have some of the oldest transfer or some of the oldest lock and dam infrastructure in uh, in the nation. 
Um, the Chickamauga Lock is on the Tennessee River. And then there are several other projects that um, are in the next tranche of projects after that. And so these are across the country. Um, it's important to note that, you know, in um, 2017, the inland waterways moved 578 million tons of freight that was valued at about $220 billion. So it's really important that these priority projects advance and uh, replace some of those aged infrastructures so that um, we can capitalize on on um, you know these opportunities ahead and for economic recovery, especially after COVID. Well, we all know nothing happens without money. So could you tell us about your primary source of funding? Yes, uh, the Water Resources Development Act is called WERDA. It's um, an every two year policy bill uh, that moves in Congress and it addresses water resources projects. And so uh, for Waterways Council, it is our key policy bill that we uh, that we can advocate for for important policy changes related to for us lock and dam infrastructure. Um, you know, there doesn't seem maybe a, from, from people watching the news every night, it might not appear that much is getting done in Congress besides just COVID-19 related issues being debated uh, and, and legislation being passed. But it's actually not true. Um, in early May, the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee, which is the, the key um, committee of, of jurisdiction for the WARDA bill, uh, marked up and unanimously passed uh, the the uh, word of bill, which unanimously to, to get anything done in Congress these days, unanimously is a big deal. So there is a lot of bipartisan support for infrastructure legislation and for uh, that related to, to word of bill uh, policy changes. Uh, our top priority in that bill for this year is to adjust a, a cost share um, that we currently have in place for uh, construction of new locks and dams and major rehabilitation on those projects. Um, and so, indeed, our top priority was included in the Senate EPW passed bill. Uh, they adjusted it from 50% uh, coming from general revenues, and then the other half, 50% from the uh, from our dedicated Inland Waterways Trust Fund to 65% from general revenues and 35% from the trust fund. So that whole process is um, a lot of words just simply to say that um, that will um, inject more efficiency in the process to deliver these projects um, on time and, and on budget. And um, so we're really grateful to the Senate um, to that committee for, for their leadership there. Uh, the next uh, step for that bill, for the word of bill, is that the, tra the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee will, uh, will move and release its version of the bill uh, within the next uh, couple of weeks. And um, we're hoping for um, a 75-25 cost share adjustment. Um, so we'll see what happens. You know, they'll release their bill and then the Senate and the House will negotiate the bills together. And we do expect the word bill to pass this year. Um, there is, as I said, um, strong support both from um, the the House Majority Leader and um, rather the, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and um, and the uh, minority leader. So um, whenever you can get a unanimous vote and get people really working together on important things uh, related to infrastructure of this country, it's something to note and, and be happy about. Shella, we talked earlier about how Ohio laborers are not necessarily known for working on waterways projects, but I think we found out that that's not really true. That's right, Matt. We do things such as environmental demolition and concrete on those waterways projects. And actually, if you travel through our region from Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, Louisiana, you will see that wherever there are waterways projects, 
there's construction, and wherever there's construction, there's laborers. And that can certainly mean a lot of work hours, sometimes even for a whole career working on waterways projects. I'm sure we've had folks that have started on one of those projects and then 30 years later have retired from that same project. Deb, what is the relationship between Waterways Council and the laborers? Well, as I said, they are part of our diverse coalition of membership. And, um, you know, their role is, you know, the, the labor community is really the linchpin um, of economic recovery and their connection to jobs. And certainly infrastructure is the connection to WCI. Uh, our labor members are uh, often subcontractors to the Army Corps of Engineers to build the locks and dams across the country. And so they do that in the most safe way. And um, they're, uh, they're trained, um, you know, extremely well. And when we lobby members of Congress to talk about all the ways that the inland waterways deliver, um, you know, jobs and, and economic, you know, sustainment of, um, of those jobs and creation of additional jobs really comes back to our organized labor community. So we're so grateful to have them be part of our membership and, um, you know, to to carry that message particularly forward to members of Congress. How many jobs are impacted by this collaboration? Yes, we have about um, 540,000 jobs uh, across the country that are related in some way to the inland waterways. Uh, There is a... um, the research arm of the Inland Waterways is the National Waterways Foundation, and so they've done a number of peer-reviewed studies uh, looking at um, this kind of thing. And so uh, the last estimate was about you know 540,000 jobs. Um, and so you know if you think about it, these are really trickle-down jobs. They can be the operators, they can be the shippers on the system, they can be those who work in ports, but they can also be uh, those who are delivering groceries to the towboats um, and to the the crew that are living on on board the the towboats, um, and so yeah, that's a pretty big number. Um, in in the grand scheme, we're um, a smaller industry than many, but uh, the work that we do is so critically important to the nation and to our shippers and and to the sustainment and creation of jobs. We know the government provides the majority of the funding for the projects, but how is the Waterways Council organization funded? We are just a uh, trade association, essentially. So um, all of our members join because, as I said, they have a real interest in in a reliable inland waterway system. They pay annual membership dues to our organization, um, you know, based upon um, a variety of things. And um, we have uh, members from from all different sectors of, of the industry, as I mentioned. I know one of the best ways I get information and I'm able to share information with my peers is attending events. That's right, Matt. We have those a couple times a year. We get to see everybody that, throughout the organization and we make plans and set goals for the future. Deb, what kind of events does Waterways Council have? Well, we have two meetings a year. Um, one is held in uh, the November timeframe, and that is our annual meeting that's coming up um, November 11th through the 13th. But then our second meeting, which is um, uh, one that um, is critically important, is um, our. It's usually in the February timeframe, and that's always held in Washington D.C. Uh, our members come in for our board of directors meeting, but then the next day they're organized into state teams and they meet with members of Congress to advocate for our priorities. So uh, two meetings a year. The first is the annual meeting, usually travels in different locations. Um, 
coming up in November, but that February meeting is always in Washington, D.C., and it's always um, a really important one to bring those members to town because um, these are the voters uh, can talking, they can talk to their members of Congress about why this matters to them, why it matters to their employees, and, um, and really sort of bring home the importance of the inland waterway system to those members of Congress who uh, ultimately make the decisions on appropriations and authorizations of these, of these projects. You mentioned the WERDA bill, but what other priorities does Waterways Council working on right now? Besides WERDA, you know, and we, as I said, expect that to be passed this year. So we're working hard on that. Um, but we, um, we are always concerned about annual appropriations that funds the Corps of Engineers and their Civil Works mission. Um, the appropriations that fund the Corps it comes out of the Energy and Water Development Appropriations um, area. And so we are always advocating for full and efficient funding for the core to make sure that no money is is held back, that um, they understand exactly the full capability of the core to be able to build out these projects and do uh, major rehabilitation work or to do operations and maintenance, um, dredging, for example, when we have high water, when when silt moves in, when the waters recede, we need to make sure that those channels are properly dredged. So we're always advocating for full and efficient funding for the Corps of Engineers and their important civil works mission. How has the inland waterways and transportation been affected by COVID-19 and the quarantine so far? Well, you know, um, commerce is actually moving um, normally uh, despite the virus. You know, it's in some, some cargoes are down. Um, but uh, there, all of the locks and dams are open and operational, and we're really happy for that. Um, we meet weekly with um, the, the um, chief of operations from the Corps, from headquarters in Washington, and um, we talk about uh, the safety of the Corps workforce. Uh, they are working under the Department of Defense and the Department of the Army, and so they're ensuring that their workforce is staying healthy. And, uh, and safe. And um, of course, all of our members are doing the same um, with top of mind for, for them is making sure that all of their employees stay healthy and safe in this difficult time. But operationally, the system is moving along. Uh, we have some other nature issues, as we always do with high water, uh, but uh, or low water, as it may be, it's high water currently, but um, operationally, things are moving. That's great to hear because we all know everything is impacted by the waterways. Absolutely. And again, you know, as we think now in this next phase of the virus and, and think toward economic recovery, uh, being able to have the waterways moving as efficiently as they can is going to be part of the recovery. Those transportation options are really what keep our country and America literally moving. So we need to make sure that um, they're included in any infrastructure discussion that may be taking place in Congress. That's another area that's important for us, of course. Um, there has been talk about adding infrastructure to a potential um, uh, rescue bill, uh, COVID rescue, you know, relief stimulus package, emergency funding, uh, but that has not yet come up and um, it would certainly be welcome if it were to. What are the big challenges Waterways is going to have in the coming months and years? Well, you know, I think our, our big uh, our big three, if you will, is um, again, every two years, WERDA. So when uh, 
hopefully this one gets passed in 2020. We'll already be thinking about a 2022 bill. We will look for those opportunities to move infrastructure forward um, and work with the administration and Congress should a bill come forward and we'll urge that the inland waterways have a seat at the table among the other modes as well. And always looking at annual appropriations and making sure that the Corps does have the, the adequate funding that they need to be able to deliver these world-class projects uh, under budget and, um, and um, try to shorten that delivery time so that they can be re returning those um, uh, transportation cost savings and benefits to the nation. I understand there's been a bit of a challenge this year with funding of Army Corps of Engineers projects. What can you tell us about that? Yes, well, the, the the process to develop the Corps of Engineers budget is that the president, usually around the time of the State of the Union address in January, um, will release its request, its funding request for um, for all the government programs. And so generally that process is that it's a fairly low ball figure. This is really something that comes out of the Office of Management and Budget. Doesn't matter you know, if it's a Republican or a Democrat administration, it's really a, an OMB created uh, request. And so it's usually a low ball figure. And then the process is that uh, Waterways Council will get involved and work with its champions in Congress and talk about the many needs, again, for the Corps to have its full and efficient level of funding. And so we were actually quite disappointed uh, to see zero dollars for Inland Waterways Trust Fund construction and capital projects. Um, this was sort of a gut punch for us. Uh, usually it is a low ball figure, but um, for, again, uh, those construction projects within the Inland Waterways Trust Fund, the request was zero dollars. And so if this, you know, is an actual priority of the administration, uh, it's very, very disappointing. We, we've not seen a zero request before. So um, many in Congress say, look, you know, that's just a, um, a blueprint. It really doesn't mean much to members of Congress because they really get to work and, and work on, you know, appropriated levels of funding. And they know the important work of the Corps of Engineers. And so they don't pay a whole lot of mind to, uh, to a budget request. And so hopefully um, Congress will once again uh, prove to be the champions that they are for the inland waterways. And we'll see those, um, those figures rise. Um, we've been really successful at Waterways Council in advocating for those high levels for the uh, the core civil works budget. Um, we've seen them rise actually um, from about um, $4.86 billion back in FY10 to um, uh, $7.36 billion in the, in the last fiscal year. So that's quite an increase. Um, there's also been historic levels of operations and maintenance funding for the inland waterways um, over, um, over the last seven to eight fiscal years. So um, we, we do expect those numbers to rise. And hopefully um, with COVID, we can see an appropriations process get finished this year and we don't end up at the end of the year with a continuing resolution. We would much like to see uh, the Corps Energy and Water Development Appropriations uh, Bill get finalized. When you said the president requested zero dollars, what did that stance say to you? The Inland Waterways Trust Fund is the, the fund that is that is funded through those tax receipts by commercial operators, and then uh, the, the rest is um, covered by general revenues. And so to have a zero request means that 
the president has said he doesn't want any money flowing to to build uh, those priority projects. In the past, we've seen at least one or two projects like the Olmstead project I mentioned, or the Lower Mon project, which is the top uh, project right now in the Pittsburgh area, be funded at around 11 million from the trust fund. But to have zero means that they would not um, spend any money from the trust fund. And what's ironic about that is that money would still be flowing into the trust fund from those diesel tax receipts, but no government match would be made and nothing would be spent down. And so you'd get a surplus growing in that trust fund. Uh, that's actually one of the reasons as well that Waterways Council was formed and its predecessor organization Waterways Work was formed because there was a growing surplus in that Inland Waterways Trust Fund while there were so many needs um, and antiquated infrastructure on the inland system. So uh, we solved that problem and made sure that uh, the match was made and that a priority list of navigation projects was uh, formulated and accepted by Congress. And that's the, the list that we all sort of operate under and the Corps operates under. And so to have zero dollars just means that you would essentially mothball uh, those projects, send everybody back home from work. Um, all of our organized labor groups that are subcontracted to the Corps would pack up their stuff and go home. We would shut down those projects and they would not be restarted until money became available. So um, that's really going backwards in time, not forwards toward modernization of our inland waterways transportation system. And so it just makes no sense. Deb, thank you so much for joining us today. I certainly learned a lot about Waterways Council and how important it is to the nation's economy. Tell us how people can find out more about the Waterways Council. Waterwayscouncil.org is our website address. Uh, we're also on Twitter, and um, you can find um, just about everything you need to know. I'd also encourage folks to look at nationalwaterwaysfoundation.org. A lot of those peer-reviewed studies about the importance of the inland waterways are located there as well. Two good sources. Thank you, Deb, so much for joining us today and all that great information. Let's recap what we've learned today. Shella? Well, one thing that I learned is, is that Waterways is a great partnership with the laborers in creating jobs. And those jobs can be a long-term job, sometimes even a lifetime of a job. That's true. And that also the Ohio Valley Southern States region is the epicenter for all these waterway systems. And that means lots of work, lots of man hours, and lots of years for the laborers. So just like today, we've got more exciting episodes coming up where you can learn more about what the laborers are doing. And check us out on Facebook and Twitter. And we'd like to hear your comments. Contact us at talk at downwiththedig.com. Until next week, we'll see you. Be safe out there. Well, now you're up to date. Views and comments expressed on this podcast may not be those of Ohio Labor's District Council or LIUNA. Thanks for listening, and let's be careful out there.